If you've got your Bibles, I'll invite you to go with me over to Luke. We're reading through the last several chapters of Luke. I, I just wanted you to be in the, the Word now where Jesus spends His last week. We come in here today on Palm Sunday. We know the events that are coming this week. We know the events that happened this day in history when Jesus comes in on that donkey riding and so many things are about to begin. So many things happen. We know the purpose. We know the end result. We know what happens between now and next Sunday historically. How Christ is arrested. How he is falsely accused. How a trial that's not a trial. How he's beaten beyond measure. How he's ultimately crucified. Murdered there on a cross. Buried in a tomb. And next Sunday morning we'll walk in and churches all over the world will celebrate that glorious moment that no one else has. An empty tomb. A resurrected Lord. A Savior who is alive. Everybody else has bones. There's no bones where Christ lay. It's an empty tomb. We're blessed when we think about what he did, when we think about the blood, when we think about the grace, the mercy, when we sing his praises and we allow that to just move us. You know, because again, we know us. We know our thoughts. We know our minds. We know how we act and what we do. But in spite of all that, his blood ran red. His grace was so good. His grace was so merciful. Here in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to do the Lord's Supper toward the beginning, like right now in a second. Let's go ahead and be finding your little cup. Have it close by. We know over in Corinthians, Paul tells the church to examine themselves. Examine themselves so that we don't take the cup in an unworthy manner. I want us, before we begin this morning, I want us to just... Take some time right there and pray. Ask the Lord to just look in, to move through. Guys, none of us are perfect. We're all sin. We all mess up. We mess up miserably. But that grace is so, so powerful. We're going to see this morning how powerful it truly is. Yes, we see the cross, but we see the life of Christ. We see how he lived and what he did and how he did. But I want us to just take a moment right now. Everybody just bow your heads right there where you are. And go to the Lord and you just you and him. Take just a moment and, and, and you and him just talk. Be real. Don't hide it.
Father God in heaven, as we sit quietly and look at our lives and talk to you about them. God, you're aware of all things. There's nothing secret. There's nothing hidden. God, we don't deserve your goodness. We don't deserve your grace. We think about Palm Sunday and what Christ did for us this coming week. God, and then we sit here and look at ourselves, our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes. God, have mercy on all of us. God, just have mercy on all of us. Thank you, Jesus, for your obedience. God, we would have never planned it this way. We would have never come up with such a, an act sending an innocent man to die for all of us those that are guilty God but that's exactly what you did thank you Lord forgive us of our sins forgive us of our God we wander we stray these tongues these eyes, this flesh, all the prides of life. Lord, please, God, please forgive us. God, as we look at what Christ you did for us, as we look at and we remember back, as we take time to remember and in remembrance of you, God, honor the blood that you shed for us, the the body that was broken there on Calvary's tree for us. God in heaven, we give you praise this morning. God, you are holy, holy, holy. You are worthy of all praise, worthy of all glory. You are perfect. You are mighty and powerful. You are so good. You are infinitely good. You are infinitely holy. God, we give you our lives. We give you everything that we are. We surrender ourselves to you. We surrender our wants, our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, our lives to you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over in Luke chapter 22, we read, beginning in verse 7, we read the story that brings us to the place to where Christ had the supper there with his disciples, his closest inner circle. And we know where this is headed. You've read. You know where this goes. This all heads to the cross. This heads to an empty tomb. This heads to a resurrected Savior and an ascended Lord who is seated at the right hand of the Father. But in this, he tells us to do this in remembrance of him. This is how it happened. It says, then, verse 7, Then came the first day of unleavened bread, of which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, so that we may eat it. 
They said to him, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters. And you shall say to the owner of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup, he had given thanks, and he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This morning, everybody take your cup. This morning, symbolic of exactly where we are in Scripture. Symbolic of exactly what Christ did. Take it and just tear back the, the tiny, thin, clear piece on top. Be very careful. Pull out that wafer. Symbolic. Only a wafer, y'all. But symbolic of what Christ was doing right here. Representing His body that He gave freely. There on Calvary, we know how it worked. We know what happened. We know how his body, he was tried and he was beaten merciless. No, no compassion was shown on Christ. When he rode in, he looked out over the city and he wept. And yet there was no weeping for him. They beat him to the end of himself. This is symbolic of the body that was broken. There on Calvary for you. We do this, Scripture says. He says. He says there, continue on reading. He says, for I say to you, I will not drink. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of him. And in the same way, he took the cup. After they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Gently tear back. Take your time. Pull it back. Just a little juice. It's symbolic of the blood of Christ. It was shed on Calvary. For each and every one of us here in this room. We do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Now let us pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. We are so undeserving. Why us? Why are we born in a place to where your word is taught? Why are you we why were we God blessed with so much? Why we had faithful men and women pour the word into us, your spirit drew us to yourself. Why 
God, were you so gracious and so good to us, Lord, we say thank you. We say thank you. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. We lift up your name. We celebrate your life. This week as we prepare for what you do, we go ahead and we celebrate your resurrection. We celebrate you. We praise you. We lift our hearts and our minds and our thoughts to you and you alone. You are our Lord and our Savior. You're our Master. You're our King. You have overcome death for us and the grave for us. You have defeated hell and sin. You have paid the penalty for us. We are, yes, beneficiaries. We receive, God, your goodness. God, you're so good. Show us this morning just how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go with us. I'm going to well, I want us to look, go over to Matthew. I just want to look at something. I mentioned it this past Wednesday. We know it, but we don't think about it. I want us to look at how really good God is. I want us to look at how really good Jesus is. You know, we have to see his life. We have to see in the word how he acted as we're reading the word together. We see how he responds to those when he's being accused of something he did not do. When he's being accused of, of I mean, he's God. And he's, they're after him all the time. Look at something with me. Go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. I want you to see this morning. Because you know, here's what people say. Well, there's no way God can forgive me. There's no way God can use me. There's no way God can overlook my sin. There's no way. I want us to look at what Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 26, we see, beginning in verse 14, Judas... And we see the behind the scenes of what happens here. Look at verse 14. Then one of the twelve, named Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me to betray him to you? Okay? We know what Peter did. All right? We know how Peter says, look, I will, I will fight for you, I will die for you, I will never deny you. And three times to three little girls before the rooster crowed, Peter denied him. Here, we, we know the disciples fled. We know all the disciples ran. But here Judas is literally turning him over to the people who killed him. Literally, he turns them over to the betrayers, the murderers. He said, what are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. From then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to betray him. And then we catch Matthew's conversation of now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and said, where do you want us to prepare you to eat the Passover? 
So Matthew gives us the behind-the-scenes look of exactly what Judas was doing. He went, and for 30 pieces of silver, he says, Hey, guys, what do you want me to do to betray him? What will you give me to betray him? What will you hand me so that I can, I can do this? The betrayal, the deal... The conversation is very important to know the timing. He says, hey guys, I got Jesus. What will you pay me to give him to you? And they say 30 pieces of silver. And then, verse 18, go into the city at a certain man and say to him, teacher says, my time is near I, to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. So Judas had already gone and betrayed Jesus. The deal, the set was in already. Go over to John Look at John. John chapter 12. Jesus knowing his time is close. Jesus understanding. Guys, it's easy to say Jesus loves us. It's easy to say God is good. It's easy to say he is so, he is long suffering and merciful and gracious, but to see what happens and the timing of it. Look at what he says over in chapter of John 12. Look at verse 27. He says, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Jesus knew this is why he came. This is what was supposed to happen. Death was not. Not something he was going to hide away from. The cross was not something he was going to. Although we know at any moment he could have said, hey, I changed my mind. But he says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice, verse 28, then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Look over at chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Again. Now before the feast of Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, this is John's account of what happened. People say, there's no way God can forgive me. There's no way Jesus can overlook. I've hurt too many people. I've been too bad. I've messed up too much. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're alive, he's not finished with you. If you're alive, there's still hope. If you're alive, you can still come to Christ. If you're alive, there's still an opportunity for you to repent and believe and receive Christ as Savior. Look at what he says. He says, chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus knows all of this is going on. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. Notice this. 
He got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. There's a good chance. There's a good chance that whenever he went around to Judas, the 30 pieces of silver was somewhere on his person. The 30 pieces of silver was somewhere in a coat pocket, was somewhere in a satchel, was somewhere. The deal had been made. The exchange had taken place. And here comes Jesus around. There's a chance. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the way they all sit? I mean, you can just only let your mind wander. You can only imagine that, you know, Judas, who was accustomed to taking care of the money, you know, imagine Jesus coming over to him and washing his feet. And hearing that money jingle. Because he had already, the 30 pieces of silver was in his possession. And Jesus stoops down and begins to wash their feet. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Story here. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean, but he was washing his feet. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it, it is that the Scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. For now I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say, you, He who receives, whomever I send receives me, and He who receives me receives Him who sent me. Let's just read. When Jesus had said this, He became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me, the disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. 
There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Peter looks over at John and says, Look, ask your boy who it is. Who is it? And Jesus then answered, that is this one whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. And therefore, Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. There's not a Nobody would have written the script to have sent the innocent to die for the guilty. No one would have written the script that the innocent would sit there and stoop to his knees and serve the guilty. Guys, there's no way you can sit there and look at your life. There's nothing you've done. There's nothing you've done so wretched. There's nothing you've done so that God wouldn't forgive you. If Jesus would literally knowing the whole time, possibly hearing the money jingle around as they move around in that small room more than likely, who knows? Hearing the money jingle, the same money that the betrayer had, had given blood money. And Jesus washed Judas' feet. Also, let me tell you something. If you're alive, there's hope. If you're alive, there's hope. And also, you can take it even further. You can chase that so many different directions. If Jesus could do that, what should we overlook? that's grace that's grace lived out that's love that we can't comprehend that's that's long suffering mercy that we cannot even wrap our minds around and there he was Right there amongst them. He ate supper with him. He was with him the whole time. We're blessed. Father God in heaven. Sometimes we wonder how in the world you could be so good. Or last week we saw Emily up here with the baby. And how we think about him growing up. And 
little one growing up and how there's going to be times, Lord, that that little one, just like our little ones, disobeys, just like we are clearly told not to and we do it. And Lord, we've looked at our parents, we've all looked at our parents and we've absolutely, utterly disobeyed them. this morning that on this Palm Sunday this room experiences taste tries to put themselves in a place tries to just go to to the extent of trying to understand how good you really are practical a disobedient betrayer one of your very own turned his back on you Jesus and you showed mercy you showed grace that I don't think any of us could have ever shown knowing that the person who had turned us over to death was sitting there in our midst and you didn't just eat with him Thank you for giving us an example. Thank you for being the examples you are.